Hey everyone, this is Brie. You are listening to Brief, the podcast that summarizes all the books. This is episode two of Dracula by Bram Stoker. I'll be covering chapters 12 through 27, which is the end of the book, and then going over themes at the very end. Okay, chapter 12. Dr. Seward's diary, September 18th. He goes to Lucy's house in the morning. There's no answer. He's annoyed that the servants aren't answering, and then he gets a terrible feeling. Van Helsing pulls up a minute later, and the both of them break into the house. They check every room, and they find the four servants on the floor in the dining room passed out. They find Lucy and her mother, her mother, dead, and they find the wounds on Lucy's neck are wider and more mangled. Van Helsing checks her heartbeat, says it's not too late to save her. He tells Seward to wake the servants and draw a bath for Lucy. Servants are hysterical, but he was stern with them. They can't lose a minute here. So a man comes to the door. It's Quincy Morris, who is the third man who proposed to Lucy. He's also a friend of Arthur Holmwood, her fiance. So he comes to the door with a message from Arthur, but Dr. Seward and Van Helsing are too busy to pay attention to it. But Quincy Morris stays. Seward says to Van Helsing that they are in a stand-up fight with death. And Van Helsing responds on 178. He says, if that were all, I would stop here where we are now and let her fade away into peace for I see no light in life over her horizon. So basically he's like, if it was only death I was worried about, we would just let it be because there's no saving her really. So he's worried about something else and Seward is confused by that. But they give her some brandy. She looks worse than ever. And Van Helsing isn't sure. He's like, I gave blood the other day. You're still weak. We can't give blood. So Quincy Morris volunteers to give blood and Van Helsing accepts. They do the blood transfusion. Lucy's body is so weak that it doesn't respond as well as it did before, but she slowly comes back to life. They give her morphine to help her sleep, and Van Helsing finds the note in her dress and shares it with Dr. Seward. He doesn't really understand what all of it means. They get a death certificate for Lucy's mom right away, and Seward sends a message to her fiancé, Arthur, informing him that Lucy's mom died and that she's been very ill. Quincy Morris sticks around... He tries to get information from Dr. Seward about what's happening. He obviously still cares for Lucy, is worried about her, and doesn't understand everything that he's seen, and he decides to stay and help watch over her. So Van Helsing puts the paper back in Lucy's dress where she stored it. At one point, she wakes up and remembers her mom's death and starts crying. They all say that they're staying with her from now on. She falls back to sleep, and... When she wakes up, she takes the paper that was in her dress and rips it up, but Van Helsing picks up the fragments and puts it back together. September 19th, Dr. Seward says that Lucy was too afraid to sleep peacefully. They take turns watching her, and Morris patrols outside of the house. During the day, Lucy looks worse. At night, she sleeps, and she looks a little bit better, but not by much. She asks for Arthur at one point, and he comes that night around 6 p.m. He's obviously shocked by her appearance. Seward is worried that Lucy is not going to last much longer. So this is a letter from Mina to Lucy, September 17th. Mina tells her that they returned from Hungary back to England, her and her husband, and Mr. Hawkins, Jonathan's boss, invites them to live with him. He has no children. He puts Jonathan as, like, the beneficiary of his will, decides to give him everything, and Jonathan is starting to recover, even though he still has some bad nights. So September 20th, another doctor at the insane asylum sends Dr. Seward a report of what's happening about operations. He says that Renfield had another outbreak. So two men passed outside of his window. Renfield became very angry at them. He cursed them and like yelled at them the whole way. And the doctor checked in on him, asked him some questions, but Renfield acted oblivious to the whole thing. He was like, pretending like it didn't happen. But a half hour later, Renfield breaks out of his room, runs after the men, and starts knocking one of their heads against the pavement, almost kills him, but the doctors catch up to him. Okay, so a letter from Mina to Lucy, September 18th. Mr. Hawkins died suddenly, so that means Jonathan and Mina get his fortune and everything. They're very sorrowful. Jonathan is stressed about all the new responsibility, but Mr. Hawkins wanted to be buried in London, so they have to go there, and Mina wants to come see Lucy if possible. Diary entry, Dr. Seward, September 20th. Arthur's father also dies. 
not a good time for Arthur, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, Seward is in very low spirits as well. Van Helsing tells Arthur that he shouldn't be alone. That will just make it worse. And they have Arthur go rest. Van Helsing has decked out Lucy's room in garlic. Dr. Seward goes to check on Lucy and is startled by her appearance. On 190, he says, Her teeth in the dim uncertain light seemed longer and sharper than they had been in the morning. In particular, by some trick of light, the canine teeth looked longer and sharper than the rest. So what's happening, which is what Van Helsing is afraid of, is that Lucy is turning into a vampire. Dr. Seward sits down next to her, hears the bat flapping by the window, Lucy wakes up and tears the garlic from her neck. Then she, like, falls back to sleep. When she wakes up again, she, like, clutches the flowers to herself. She won't really eat anything. So she's kind of going in and out of, like, being a vampire and not being a vampire in this, like, weird transition time. So Van Helsing comes to look after her. He is shocked by what he sees. The wounds on her throat are gone. She is, like, seems like she's totally alive, feeling so much better, full of life, looks very like alive and normal. And he tells Dr. Seward that she will be dying soon and to go wake up Arthur to come say his goodbyes. Arthur is obviously extremely upset about this, but he goes in and sits with Lucy. She is comforted by his presence and falls asleep. When she wakes up again, this time she's speaking in like a different sort of voice and asks Arthur to kiss her. And as he leans in towards her, Van Helsing rips him away from her. Nobody understands why, but her eyes close again. Later, she opens them and tells Van Helsing that he's a true friend because when she, she obviously was her vampire self when she was asking Arthur to kiss her and Van Helsing knew that and stopped her. She's herself again and he tells Arthur to give her a kiss on the forehead. And after he does, she stops breathing and dies. And on 193, Dr. Seward says, Death had given back part of her beauty. From her brow and cheeks had recovered some of their flowing lines. Even the lips had lost their deadly pallor. It was as if the blood, no longer needed for the working of the heart, had gone to make the harshness of death as little rude as might be. Dr. Seward says that at least she has peace. And Van Helsing says that this is just the beginning and they'll have to wait and see what happens. Chapter 13. They are planning the funeral for the next day so Lucy and her mom can be buried together. They see Lucy's body and it looks as if all the life had been restored back to her. Like she looks much better dead than she did towards the end of her life. So Van Helsing puts garlic around her neck and a cross on her lips. And he asks Dr. Seward to bring him a set of knives because he has to cut off Lucy's head and take out her heart. Seward is obviously baffled by this. He doesn't understand why they would have to do that if she's already dead. They like leave the room and Dr. Seward sees a maid go in the room to say goodbye to Lucy and he thinks, oh, that's sweet. And then later that day when they're supposed to go back and cut off her head and cut out her heart, Seward goes to Van Helsing and Van Helsing says the operation is off and he holds up the golden cross that was on Lucy's mouth and says that the maid who went in to say goodbye to her stole it from Lucy. She obviously didn't know what she was doing. She was under the influence of Dracula, but now it's too late. Obviously, Dr. Seward doesn't understand any of this. So Arthur comes and talks to them, and Dr. Seward says that Arthur looks desperately sad and broken. Even his stalwart manhood seemed to have shrunk somewhat under the strain of his much-tired emotions. Arthur's feeling very sad. He just lost Lucy and his father, but Van Helsing asks him to trust him, and Arthur swears that he does. And then Van Helsing asks Arthur if it's okay for him to read Lucy's journals and letters, and Arthur allows him. So now we switch to Mina's journal, September 22nd. They went to Mr. Hawkins' funeral service, that's Jonathan's boss, and they took a walk after, and Jonathan has, like, a panic attack when he sees this really tall, thin man watching a woman. And he says that he thinks it's Count Dracula, but he's younger somehow. So he kind of freaks out and they leave and then Jonathan takes a nap and when he wakes up he forgot all about it it seems and Mina thinks that it's probably time for her to open his journal and read it so that she can know what happened to him while he was gone so she can try to help him. Later that day Mina writes in her journal again saying that she heard about Lucy and her mom's death. 
So then we switch back to Dr. Seward's diary the same day. Arthur and Quincy leave after the funeral, and Van Helsing has a fit of hysterics. And on 208, Dr. Seward writes, I tried to be stern with him, as one is to a woman under the circumstances, but it had no effect. Men and women are so different in manifestations of nervous strength or weakness. Okay, so now we get a newspaper article from the Westminster Gazette, September 25th. Children have started disappearing from the neighborhood around Whitby. All the children who return are wounded at the throat, and they all say that they were lured away by what they call the Bluefer Lady, B-L-O-O-F-E-R. I have no idea what that means. That's just what they call her. The title is Extra Special, The Hampstead Horror. And it talks about how a child was found emaciated, had wounds at the throat, and also, again, said it was the Bluefer Lady. Chapter 14. So Mina is writing in her journal September 23rd. She says that Jonathan is doing better, and she plans to read his journal. On September 24th, she writes that she read everything in his journal, and she feels really bad for him, and she's uncertain if what he wrote is true or part of his imagination. But then she gets a letter from Van Helsing on the same day, September 24th. He says in the letter that after reading Lucy's letters and journal, he wants to meet with Mina, and she agrees to meet him. September 25th, Mina's journal. She says she's excited to meet Van Helsing. She feels like he can help in some way. So she writes in her journal later after they met. She says she believes Van Helsing is a good man and that he's coming back tomorrow and that she's going to ask him about Jonathan. He came not to talk about Lucy's passing, but he wants to know what happened at Whitby and what Mina can remember. She gives him her own diary, but it's written in shorthand, and so he she helps him read it. And after reading her account, he praises her, and she starts talking about Jonathan, and some of the story comes out about what happened to him, and she starts asking him for help. And on page 220, Van Helsing tells her, You have given me hope, not hope in what I am seeking of, but that there are good women still left to make life happy. So he, like, adores her throughout the rest of the book. Van Helsing literally just thinks Mina's a saint, which she kind of is. Anyway... So she gives him a typed copy of a journal entry from Jonathan, and he takes the papers and promises to come back tomorrow and see her and Jonathan together. Later that night, Van Helsing sends a letter to Mina, and he confirms everything that happened in Jonathan's diary is true, and he tells her not to doubt him, Van Helsing. He's like, my heart and mind are good. Just trust me. Mina writes back, says she trusts him, and that she's super worried about, you know, this monster being loose in London and asks him to come for breakfast the next day rather than lunch. So Mina's diary, September 26th, the next day, Van Helsing comes to meet with Mina and Jonathan. And upon hearing that Van Helsing believes him, Jonathan regains his confidence now that he knows that he wasn't crazy. So Van Helsing stays and meets with them for a while And when he leaves, he goes to take the train. He picks up the newspaper, the Westminster Gazette, and he sees the article about the Bluefer lady. So he runs to Dr. Seward and he's like, I'm finally going to tell you what's happening, but you need to keep an open mind. You need to think outside of the scientific realm. He says on 227, it's the fault of our science that it wants to explain all. And if it explain not, then it says there is nothing to explain. So he starts listing off all the things that have happened in nature with no explanation and no logical reason. And he tells Dr. Seward that the holes in the children's throat were made by Lucy. Chapter 15. So this is a continuation of Dr. Seward's diary. He's obviously livid with Van Helsing for this accusation that Lucy, who is now dead, could do such a thing. But Van Helsing invites him to go with him tonight to Lucy's grave so that he can prove to him that it's true. He plans to spend the night in the churchyard where Lucy was buried. But before they go to the graveyard, they go to the hospital to visit the child who was attacked. The kid wakes up and says to the men that he just wanted to play with the blue for lady. And then when it's late enough, they go to the graveyard. Van Helsing begins to open Lucy's coffin, which is too much for Dr. Seward. He kind of just like stands back. And when Van Helsing finally opens Lucy's coffin, they find that it's empty. Dr. Seward's in denial. He says that her body not being there only proves that it's not there and doesn't prove anything else. 
so they go outside and wait in the darkness. Van Helsing wants to wait until Lucy comes back. As they're waiting, they see like a streak of white cross like the tree line and they go over to it and find a child on the ground. So Van Helsing picks up the child and says to Dr. Seward, like, is this enough evidence for you now? And Dr. Seward says that it's not. They don't know what to do with the child because they don't want to turn it into the police because then they're going to be accused of being the ones to harm the child. So they go into the town and just leave it where someone will find it. So they go back to Lucy's grave. And when they open it again, Lucy is in there now and she looks as radiant as ever. Dr. Seward is in complete shock complete denial and Van Helsing explains that Lucy was bitten by a vampire that in order for her to die completely he has to cut off her head stuff her mouth with garlic and drive a stake through her heart he says he has to take her life before she takes a life so basically he's like she's a vampire she's undead she's gonna start killing people if we don't stop her so instead of doing it that night Van Helsing thinks that Arthur needs to be the one to do it and also he needs to tell Arthur what's happening before he does it. On September 27th, the next day, Dr. Seward gets a note from Van Helsing. He tells him that he went to the graveyard by himself to seal Lucy's tomb with garlic and a crucifix so that she can't get out and he tells Seward that in case the vampire who created Lucy finds him, take the papers and diaries, read all of them, and then cut off the head of the man, Dracula is who he's talking about, the man that you find, and drive a stake through his heart or burn it. So he's like preparing in case he dies, this is what needs to be done. So Dr. Seward's diary, September 28th, the next day. He starts, I mean, he's obviously doubting if Van Helsing is going crazy. And he thinks somehow Van Helsing planned on moving Lucy's body to prove a point. He's just trying, he can't fathom the idea that she's actually a vampire so he's like creating whatever reality makes most sense in his mind and that reality is that Van Helsing has gone insane so September 29th this is the morning Arthur Quincy Morris and Dr. Seward all go to Van Helsing's room because he requested their presence he tells them that he wants permission to do what he believes is best before he tells them exactly what it is he's planning on doing Quincy Morris agrees right away but Arthur takes a little bit of convincing. So Van Helsing tells them that he wants to go open Lucy's coffin, which obviously sets Arthur into a spiral of despair. But Van Helsing explains that he believes Lucy is undead and asks to cut off her head, which obviously Arthur objects, asks why Van Helsing wants to torture him. Van Helsing implores Arthur to go with him to witness what's going on and why he wants to do what he has to do. So Arthur is still unsure, but he agrees to go with them to the grave and see what they're talking about. Okay, chapter 16. So Dr. Seward's diary continues. They go to the grave that night, and Van Helsing asks Dr. Seward to confirm that Lucy's body was there yesterday during the day, and he does. He opens the coffin to show them that it's empty. He explains that her body is not missing because of him, again seeks Dr. Seward's confirmation on this, and they all go outside to wait and keep a lookout for Lucy to come back, and Van Helsing seals the tomb with communion wafers so that Lucy can't get in. Eventually, Lucy comes. She is dressed in white. She's carrying a child. They don't know who it is at first, but as she gets closer, they realize that it's Lucy. Dr. Seward says the sweetness of Lucy was turned to heartless cruelty. Her lips were covered in fresh blood. And on 251, he says, at that moment, the remnant of my love passed into hate and loathing. Had she then to be killed, I could have done it with savage delight. So she's looking extremely evil at this point she throws the child to the ground walks towards arthur with open arms and she's calling to him and he's sort of in a trance and so he starts walking to her but van helsing jumps in front of lucy with his crucifix and she recoils from him tries to like get into the tomb but it's like blocked off by the communion wafers so van helsing hurries and takes them away so that lucy can pass through the tomb then he seals it back up and at this point Arthur gives his permission to Van Helsing to continue to do whatever he needs to do he seals off the tomb so she can't get out and they plan to return tomorrow during the day to finish what they started so the next day September 29th Dr. Seward's diary he's writing at night after everything happened so he says that they went to the tomb during the day and Lucy was there on 254, he says, She seemed like a nightmare of Lucy as she lay there, the pointed teeth, the blood-stained, voluptuous mouth, which made one shudder to see. 
the whole carnal and unspiritual appearance seeming like a devilish mockery of Lucy's sweet purity. So before he starts his ritual, Van Helsing explains the history behind this ritual and the history behind the undead. He says that when they kill the undead person, Lucy's soul will be free, and that is their goal. They want her to be free and not be a vampire. So he convinces Arthur to be the one to drive the stake through her body because he's her fiance. It just makes sense. So they perform the ritual and Arthur drives the stake through her heart. And when he does, she starts screaming, but Arthur never faltered in his endeavor. And by the time he finished, Lucy had like taken on her peaceful, beautiful, sweet self again. Arthur thanks Van Helsing for giving him peace, giving Lucy peace, and he gives her a final kiss and then him and Quincy Morris leave. Van Helsing and Seward cut off her head, stuff it with garlic, and then Van Helsing invites all three men to dine with him in two days because the work is not done. Chapter 17. So this is Dr. Seward's diary continued. Van Helsing got a telegram from Mina saying that she was on her way, and Van Helsing invites her and Jonathan to stay at the asylum with Dr. Seward. So then she gave... Van Helsing, Jonathan, and her own diary entries, which he gave to Dr. Seward to read so that he could get a better understanding of what was happening and what they were looking for in Dracula. And Van Helsing has to leave, but Dr. Seward meets with Mina, brings her back to the asylum, and now we're getting Mina's journal, September 29th. She asks Dr. Seward to hear about Lucy's death, and he refuses. He doesn't want to talk about it. And she asks to read his journal, but Dr. Seward does like a, I don't know what you call it, a phonograph, like a voice journal. Basically, he tape records his journal instead of writing it down. And he claims he doesn't know how to look for a diary entry, like a specific one on the phonograph. And she offers to transcribe his phonograph tapes for him, but he refuses again. But he does give her a few tapes, they're called cylinders, to listen to so that she can get to know him since he will be reading her diary and getting to know her that way. Diary entry from Dr. Seward, September 29th. Mina enters his office after listening to his tapes and she is emotional. She typed up his entries even though he asked her not to, but she accuses him. She's like, you didn't give me all the cylinders because I didn't hear about Lucy's death. And she says on 264, we need to have no secrets amongst us, working together and with absolute trust. We can surely be stronger than if some of us were in the dark. So he agrees to let her know about Lucy's death, but suggests that they eat dinner first. Mina's diary, September 29th. After they ate dinner, they returned to Dr. Seward's study, and Mina learns about Lucy's death. She knows that if she didn't know what happened to Jonathan in Transylvania, she might have a hard time believing everything that she heard in the phonograph, but both of them decide that she should transcribe all of his tapes. So she stays up late writing, transcribing Dr. Seward's diary, September 30th. Jonathan arrives and he and Mina begin working on a timeline of everything that happened. And this is where we get this entire novel is this is them compiling all the journal entries, newspaper articles, all of that stuff together in chronological order. Dr. Seward realizes that Count Dracula bought the house next to the asylum. He's like, great, I have a vampire neighbor. And he goes to visit Renfield because he's now wondering if Renfield is controlled by Dracula somehow. Renfield has been acting a little suspicious lately, which more suspicious compared to what? I don't know. But he doesn't like how he's acting. So Jonathan's diary entry, September 29th. He says that Dracula had planned meticulously for his stay in England and the purchase of an estate, and Jonathan sends a letter inquiring about the boxes that were shipped from Transylvania to London. On September 30th, the next day, Jonathan learns that all the boxes were safely brought to the chapel of Carfax, the residence that Dracula bought. So Mina's diary, September 30th, Mina is feeling very proud of Jonathan for doing something that was difficult for him, like inquiring about those boxes. And she says on 271, I suppose one ought to pity anything so hunted as the Count. That's just it. This thing is not human, not even beast. To read Dr. Seward's account of poor Lucy's death and what followed is enough to dry up the springs of pity in one's heart. Quincy Morris and Arthur Holmwood arrive and they meet Mina and she tells them about their timeline project and how they're compiling all of the evidence and everything. 
Arthur gets emotional thinking about how much Mina loved Lucy. And then he, he like kind of breaks down and cries to her when they're alone. And on 272, Mina says, I suppose there's something in woman's nature that makes a man free to break down before her and express his feeling on the tender or emotional side without feeling it derogatory to his manhood. So he feels fine breaking down in front of her, but not the other men. Okay, Mina offers to be like a sister to Arthur as she was to Lucy. He completely breaks down. They have like a moment. Arthur confides in Mina that he hasn't been able to talk to anybody for several days. And he tells her that he will be like a brother to her. And later Mina runs into Quincy Morris and he asks how Arthur is doing. And he says to her, no one but a woman can help a man when he is in trouble of the heart. And Mina offers to be Quincy's friend as and support him as well. Chapter 18. So it's September 30th, and Mina asks Dr. Seward if she can see Renfield. And when she goes to speak to him, he's very polite and refined and has great manners. And this shocks Dr. Seward. But they leave and go to meet Van Helsing. And he finds out that they have all their records compiled and put in order, and he praises Mina. But he says that he hopes that she won't have any role in what's about to happen because he says destroying a vampire is no part for a woman. So he's basically like, thanks for doing all that, but you're not going to be a part of this (laughs) as far as like the actual field work, if you will. So Mina's journal, September 30th. They all form a sort of committee and hold a meeting about what they've discovered and what they're going to do about it. And they all agree to undertake the mission to bring Dracula down. And Van Helsing gives a history of the undead and talks about the legend of Nosferatu, which is the undead or vampires. So they talk about how Dracula has the strength of 20 men. He can control the dead. He is very old but grows younger. He has no shadow or reflection. He's very strong. He can transform into a wolf or a bat or a mist if he wants. He can make himself small. He can see in the dark. He can pass through objects as if they're not there. But he has weaknesses too, like he can't go into a house unless he is invited. He can't survive without blood. He loses his power during the day and has to either hide himself under the earth or in a coffin. He also is weak towards things like crucifixes and, you know, communion wafers, garlic, and anything that's considered to be holy. So this is like all the stuff that they discuss and what they know about Dracula. And they start to plan their next move, which is to see if these 50 boxes that came from Transylvania to Carfax are accounted for, to find them and see what's in them. During this time, Quincy Morris is like patrolling outside and he sees a bat at the window and shoots at it. And I'm pretty sure he misses. But they all agree, except for Mina, they all agree that Mina can't participate because she's at risk of not being strong enough to do this. She's not very happy about it, but that's what they decide. So Dr. Seward's diary, October 1st, 4 a.m. This is right before they're about to leave and Renfield requests to see Dr. Seward. So he's with all the men, and so they all go down together to see Renfield in real life. So he requests to be released. And Dr. Seward almost agrees because he's been acting, like, very sane lately, but he doesn't want to act too hastily. Renfield pleads with him. He says if Seward doesn't let him go, he's putting everything he cares about at risk, and he claims, he's like, I'm not insane. I'm just a man fighting for my soul. Okay, chapter 19. This is Jonathan's journal, October 1st, 5 a.m. The men go to the Count's estate. They are decked out in things like garlic, crucifixes, wafers. They have like all these holy things to ward against vampires. They go inside. It's horrible smelling. And they find the boxes, but only find 29 of the 50 boxes. All of a sudden, rats start swarming the room. They whistle for dogs to come and chase them away. And they consider this night successful, even though they didn't find all the boxes, and they retire back to the asylum where Mina is sleeping. Dr. Seward's diary, October 1st. Van Helsing says he wants to visit Renfield, so they go, but it doesn't go well. He doesn't want to talk to Van Helsing, and he insults him. And then we get Mina's journal, October 1st. So she slept most of the day. 
And she writes about how she's upset that Jonathan is keeping her in the dark and not giving her any details. And she says on 304, I shall put on a bold face and if I do feel weepy, he shall never see it. I suppose it is one of the lessons that we poor women have to learn. She writes about her night. So during the night, Renfield had a freak out. Mina woke up and found her window open, which she remembers shutting. So she thinks that's weird. And when she goes to shut it, she sees a thick mist like floating around the building. And she says that the mist seems to have what she calls a sentience and a vitality of its own. So it seemed like it was kind of alive. And if we remember, Dracula can turn into a mist. So she goes back to bed, but she is anxious and she's not sure how or when she falls asleep, but she has a nightmare. And when she wakes up, she sees that the mist has entered her bedroom and she thinks that she sees two red eyes and like a face sort of thing in the mist, but then she wakes up for real, thinks it was like just a dream and doesn't understand what just happened. So October 2nd, 10 p.m., Mina says she slept but feels weak and spiritless. Okay, chapter 20. So this is Jonathan Harker's journal, October 1st in the evening. Jonathan visits a man named Thomas Snelling to get the location of the other boxes that belong to Dracula. He returns home, finds Mina asleep, and renews his vow to himself to be strong and not share any information with her. October 2nd, the next evening, Jonathan goes around town looking for the addresses where the boxes are. He reaches some dead ends, goes back to find Mina in a state of exhaustion, and he plans on sending her back to Exeter where their house is because he's getting worried about her health. Dr. Seward's diary, October 1st, he is feeling confused about Renfield because they have a conversation and he's not acting like he normally does. And later that day, Renfield sends for Dr. Seward and he comes to see him and Renfield says he wants life, not souls. Seward notices that Renfield doesn't like to use the word drink. He is saying that he fears thinking about souls. He doesn't like meaner forms of life. He isn't afraid of the future. And Seward believes he has some kind of reassurance that he will obtain higher life after this life, just like very erratic behavior and talk. And Renfield says that he believes that Dracula has been to him, been to see him, and plans on making him a vampire. Later that day, Dr. Seward writes again, he and Van Helsing went to visit Renfield to talk to him about this potential agreement with Dracula that he has or thinks he has, but Renfield ignores them. Arthur sent a letter inquiring about who purchased this property where they think boxes are, and the letter and a letter came back to him this night, October 1st, that says a foreign nobleman named Count Deville purchased it. So Dracula, obviously. And then Seward's journal, October 2nd, he says they plan on sterilizing all imported earth and catching Dracula at his weakest. So their plan is to find all the boxes, put holy wafers in them so that he can't use them, and then he won't be able to use any of those boxes to like hide himself during the day when he's the weakest. Seward realizes that Renfield's moods are somehow tied to Dracula, and then that night... Renfield has an accident so the other doctors call Dr. Seward because they found Renfield on the ground in his room covered in blood. Chapter 21. It's October 3rd and Dr. Seward summarizes what happened the night before. So they found Renfield lying in a pool of blood with his face completely bruised. They think his back is broken. He can't move his body. He seems to be paralyzed. And so Dr. Seward sends for Van Helsing. He comes. He plans on operating. Renfield is basically on the brink of death, but he wakes up and starts telling them what happened. So he says, Dracula came to his window, showed him his powers. Renfield was almost hypnotized into inviting him into the building. And then Dracula came back to visit him, basically ignored Renfield. At one point, Renfield says he thinks that Mina came into his room and she seemed paler than usual. And he believes that Dracula has been taking the life out of her. So he was ready for Dracula when he came back and he tried to fight Dracula, but his strength failed against Dracula's and then Dracula threw Renfield down on the floor, broke his back, and that's how they found him. 
So Van Helsing calls them all to action before it's too late. They go to the Harker's room. They break down the door because it's locked and they find Jonathan in a stupor. He's like unconscious. And Mina is on her knees on the bed and Dracula is standing in front of her and he's forcing Mina to drink blood from a wound on his chest. And he turns to look at the men. He throws Mina back on the bed, leaps at the men. Mina wakes up covered in blood. She's freaking out. Jonathan wakes up from being unconscious. And Dracula, like, escapes the room when, like, all the commotion happens. Van Helsing explains what's happening to Mina. Mina asks Jonathan to stay with her because she's afraid. But then she's like, don't touch me. I'm unclean. And they find out that Dracula burned all the manuscripts and then disappeared But luckily, they had a backup copy in the safe, so they didn't lose any of their information. And when Dracula left the building, he stopped in Renfield's room and broke his neck, so Renfield died. And Morris gets his gun. He sees a bat fly out the window. They try to get him, but they can't. So Dracula escapes. And then Mina tells her side of the story. So she says she was asleep, but she woke up and saw a mist in her room. From the mist, Dracula stepped out. He threatened to kill Jonathan if she screamed, so she didn't. And he started drinking her blood. She couldn't fight against him. He finished drinking her blood and tells her that since she has acted against him, he is going to make her a slave. And so he opens his shirt, cuts himself in the chest, and forces her to drink his blood. And she says on page 340, What have I done to deserve such a fate? I who have tried to walk in meekness and righteousness all my days. Anyway, they all agree to meet later to figure out their plan of action. Okay, chapter 22. This is Jonathan Harker's journal, October 3rd. Jonathan and Mina are kind of panicking, but they keep telling each other to like trust each other, trust in God. And the men meet to plan their next step and they agree to tell Mina everything. At this point, they're like, we can't exclude her. So Mina has decided that she's ready to kill herself if she gets to the point where she turns into a vampire or causes harm to the others. Van Helsing warns her that she can't die or else she'll become a vampire like Dracula. Okay, so this is their plan. They plan on destroying the Count's house, the one that is closest to home, closest to themselves. And then they search out the other one, which is in a place called Piccadilly. And they're going to put, like I said, wafers in all of the coffins so that he can't be in any of them. After breakfast, they arm Mina with a weapon just in case they don't make it back before sunset. Van Helsing goes to put a sacred wafer on her head, but she screams because it burns her and makes a scar. She starts screaming about how she's unclean, how she'll wear this mark until Judgment Day. Van Helsing tries to comfort her. Anyway, the men leave and go to the first house to make it holy again. In Piccadilly, they arrive around 12 p.m. Arthur and Quincy Morris are rushed off to find a locksmith to get into the house, and Jonathan and Van Helsing wait for him. They get the door open. They find eight out of nine boxes, and they destroy them. And they look through the house where they find keys to the other houses that they need to get to that have boxes. And Arthur and Quincy Morris leave to go deal with those boxes while Van Helsing and Jonathan wait for them to return and for the count to come, whichever one was first. Chapter 23. So this is Dr. Seward's diary, October 3rd. They find out that while Dracula was alive, he was a soldier, a statesman, an alchemist. He was very intelligent. Obviously, he brought that intelligence with him to the afterlife. So a telegram arrives from Mina telling them that Dracula was at Carfax and left quickly and was traveling south. And then Quincy Morris and Arthur return saying they've destroyed even more boxes. So now they only have one box that they can't find and haven't destroyed. And they all wait for Dracula to arrive. So when he comes, he leaps into the room and they all close in to attack him. Jonathan like goes to like cut him or stab him. And the Count recognizes who he is. And on 360, it says, It would be impossible to describe the expression of hate and baffled malignity of anger and hellish rage which came over the Count's face. So Dracula throws himself out the window, crosses the yard, and locks himself into a stable. He turns back and says to the men that his revenge has just started, that he's already taken the girls that they love, and that the men are going to become slaves to him. 
and Van Helsing tells Dracula that he's afraid of them, that Dracula is afraid of these men. He, he's like, I can tell you're afraid. And by the time they get the stable open, Dracula has vanished. So the men go back to Mina. Their last task is obviously to find the last box and kill Dracula. So they tell her everything that happened. And she tells them to pity the Count because his soul is trapped, that he was probably a good man when he was alive. Jonathan is outraged by this because he wants Dracula to suffer in hell. But Mina is like, no, you have to pity the Count because I might find myself in the same situation and I would hope that you would pity me. So she's just like kind of having a crisis where she's like, I'm going to be a monster and she doesn't want that. And the other men leave Jonathan and Mina alone. Okay, Jonathan Harker's journal, the 3rd and 4th of October, close to midnight. So only the Count knows where the last box is, and Jonathan worries that he is going to torture them. He's panicked about losing Mina, and later he writes again that Mina woke Jonathan up in the middle of the night because she heard something in the hallway, but it was just Morris reassuring them that somebody will be there keeping watch. That morning, October 4th, Mina wants to see Van Helsing at once and she asks him to hypnotize her so that she can speak freely because she knows, she's realizing that she can kind of like connect with Dracula and his mind because she fed on his blood. So Van Helsing hypnotizes her and she says she's on a ship. Van Helsing says that Dracula is trying to escape and Mina's like, that's great, he's leaving, why do we have to find him now? And Van Helsing tells her that the mark on her throat and her head are a ticking time bomb unless they kill Dracula and Mina faints. Okay, chapter 24. Van Helsing tells Jonathan to stay with Mina while they search for Dracula. Van Helsing says that Dracula is obviously headed back to Transylvania and they're going to go after him. So Jonathan's journal, October 4th, he says on 371, Mina says that perhaps we are instruments of ultimate good. Mina writes in her journal on October 5th at 5 p.m., she says they have narrowed down the possible ships that Dracula is on to one called Zarina Catherine. Okay, and they found some workers who tell them that a man gave them money to tell them which ships were sailing for the Black Sea. And before the ship set sail, it was surrounded in a thick mist. And so they know that he's Dracula is trying to go to Transylvania. So the men plan on going by land to Transylvania and meeting him and his box of earth during the day when he will be at his weakest so that they can destroy him. Mina asks if it's necessary again. She's like, is it necessary for us to pursue the count? And Van Helsing answers that they are doing God's work. And if they don't, she will become like Dracula. So on page 377, he says, we are pledged to set the world free. Our toil must be in silence and our efforts all in secret. For in this enlightened age, when men believe not even what they see, the doubting of wise men would be his greatest strength. So Dr. Seward's diary, October 5th, he says on 378, it really is wonderful how much resilience there is in human nature. Let any obstructing cause, no matter what, be removed in any way, even by death, and we will fly back to first principles of hope and enjoyment. So Seward thinks that Mina is already being controlled by Dracula to an extent, and he's concerned about that. And later on, he and Van Helsing talk. Van Helsing brings up the fact that Mina is changing, and he has a theory that if they are able to hypnotize her to get the Count's secrets, the Count might also be able to do the same with her. And so he's like, we can't tell her any more information about our plan because maybe the Count can figure that out. So when everybody gathers together later, Mina actually excuses herself because she's kind of figured out the same thing. And this relieves them because they feel bad about not being able to tell her things. So the plan is for them to leave for a place called Varna, which is where they will travel from there to Transylvania. Jonathan's journal, October 5th in the afternoon. Mina asks Jonathan to make her a promise before God not to tell her any of the plans made against Dracula. He agrees. And Mina is in good spirits during the evening. And everybody is kind of like happy about that. Okay, October 6th, it's the morning, Mina requests to see Van Helsing, and she tells him that she has to go with them on their journey because they'll all be safer that way, and he agrees to let her come, and then she leaves, and they all talk about the plan without her. So the plan is they'll go to Varna, find the ship, secure the box so that Dracula can't get inside of it, 
and then they prepare by settling their affairs in case the end comes while they're on their mission. So they like do their wills and trusts and all that stuff. Okay, chapter 25. Dr. Seward's diary, October 11th. It's the evening. Mina is free from Dracula's power around sunset and around sunrise. On 388, she says, But you must remember that I am not as you are. There is poison in my blood, in my soul, which may destroy me unless some relief comes to us. And then she asks the men to all promise her that if the time comes, they'll kill her rather than let her become a vampire. Quincy Morris is the first to promise Mina that he will do what he has to do if the time comes. And all of them promise, except for Jonathan. He's like, do I have to promise? And she's like, yes, you have to. So she requests that they also read over her the burial service. And this sends Jonathan into even more despair. But he agrees. Jonathan Harker's journal, October 15th in Varna. So it's now been four days. So they set sail. They got to Varna. Mina seems to be getting some of her color back, although she's still sleeping a ton. They wait for the ship to get there and set up their plans to get on board as soon as it docks. They wait for a week without any news of the ship. The men receive a telegram saying that the ship entered at Galitz instead of Varna. On 397, Dr. Seward says, I suppose that nature works on such a hopeful basis that we believe against ourselves that things will be as they ought to be, not as we should know that they will be. So it didn't go to the right place, but they start mobilizing and planning on getting to Galatz and entering the ship from there. Van Helsing believes that Dracula is cutting Mina off so that she can't lead the men to him and she's feeling more free. But because the Count is so selfish, he can only see so far in the future, and Van Helsing believes that this puts him at a disadvantage. Chapter 26, Dr. Seward's Diary, October 29th. They can still hypnotize Mina a little bit and get a little bit of information out of her. So what they've discovered is that Dracula is near land, but hasn't quite gotten onto land yet. So he's still on the ship, and they worry that they're going to get there too late but they think that the Count's power is starting to wane. October 30th, 7 a.m., Dr. Seward writes that Mina falls out of her hypnosis even more quickly than she ever has. Mina writes in her journal on the same day that she goes to a hotel with Quincy Morris while Arthur goes to get permission to go on the ship. Like, remember, he's a lord, so he can kind of, like, get permission to do stuff like that. Jonathan writes in his journal that day that they met with the captain who tells them about the voyage. So some Romanian sailors catch wind of the box on board. They tried to convince the captain to throw it in the river, but he doesn't. And then right as they boarded, a man came onto the ship who had been ordered to fetch a box that was for Count Dracula. The man passed the box along to another man who deals with Slovak trading and They looked for that man but couldn't find him, but his acquaintances didn't know where he was either. And while they're talking to this man trying to get information, the men learn that a man was found dead in a churchyard with his throat torn open, and that was the man who got the box and was, like, transporting it for Dracula. So they know that the box is traveling by water, but they don't know anything else, so they return to Mina. Mina's journal, October 30th, she types up everything that they tell her. She believes she has made a discovery, and this is a memorandum of Mina Harker. She says that Dracula needs to get home and is likely traveling by water since it's the safest way. He's in his box and is on a boat being steered by oars and poles, either on the Sarath or the Pruth. And Mina writes that Van Helsing thinks that they have an advantage now since Dracula can't leave his box or the people bringing it will be suspicious. So Van Helsing lays out their plans, but it upsets Jonathan because he doesn't want Mina anywhere near the castle of Dracula. But that's what's going to happen. So they're splitting up into three pairs and Mina is going with Van Helsing to Dracula's castle. And so they all say their goodbyes. Mina and Jonathan say goodbye to each other, knowing that it might be their last goodbye. Jonathan writes in his journal, October 30th, that night. He says that him and Arthur took the Sarath to track down the Count. And Quincy Morris and Dr. Seward are traveling by land, going the same direction. And they're staying close enough to each other that they can, like, communicate. October 30th. 
They have passed several boats, but haven't found the one with the box, and every boat they pass gets on their knees and prays. November 1st, that evening, they still haven't found the right boat, but the Slovaks they passed told them that there's another bigger boat that passed them, so they're getting closer. November 2nd, that morning, nothing yet. Arthur sleeps and Jonathan keeps watch. He worries about everyone. Dr. Seward writes in his journal on November 2nd, that same day, says there's no news. They're just trying to find the count. Mina writes in her journal October 31st, so a few days prior, but she says that Van Helsing can't really hypnotize her anymore, and they're traveling by carriage to Count Dracula's castle, which is the same journey that Jonathan took when he did this at the first of the novel. She says she thinks that she would find the country beautiful, and she would have enjoyed it under different circumstances. Okay, chapter 27. This is the last chapter. Freaking finally. So, Mina's journal, November 1st. Mina notes that people are superstitious and they act differently around her when they see the scar on her forehead. And remember, Jonathan said the same thing about the people here. November 2nd, she says they take turns driving at night. She feels like she's unclean and she's just worried about what's going to happen. Abraham Van Helsing writes on November 4th that Mina is sleeping a lot. She doesn't eat or write in her diary anymore. And she started sleeping only during the day and he's afraid and he is starting to have doubts. November 5th, Van Helsing writes that he wants to write everything down as much as he can because he fears that whoever reads this is going to think that he's crazy. He says they traveled and they're near the castle and he is worried that the closer they get to the castle, it's really affecting Mina more and more. As the night wears on, snow falls and the horses are freaking out. So he goes to calm them down and sees three women materialize through the mist and come towards them in the snow. And these are the three vampire women who tried to attack Jonathan in the castle. So he's afraid for Mina. Her scar is glowing and he knows what's happening. And so the women show up and they call to Mina to join them. But Van Helsing made a circle of, he like crumbled up holy wafers around them. And so they can't get to them. But he's worried the whole night. And at dawn, he tries again to hypnotize Mina, but she's asleep. He finds that the horses are dead. Okay, so Jonathan's journal, November 4th. They fell behind and he's worried about Mina being near the Count's castle. He writes in his journal like his goodbyes to Mina in case it's the last thing he writes. Okay, now Dr. Seward writes in his diary, November 5th. He says on 433, we ride to the death of someone. God alone knows who or where or what or when or how it may be. Van Helsing says on the same day that he left Mina and went to the castle. He found the three graves of the women vampires and put holy wafers on them and then found Dracula's tomb and put a sacred wafer on that as well and knew that that would make Dracula not be able to go to his tomb again. So he goes to the castle goes to all the entrances and secures all the doors so that Dracula can't enter it ever again. And then he goes back to Mina and they go to meet up with the rest of the group where they hope to find Dracula. So Mina's journal, November 6th, the next day. She says that the snow slowed their journey, made them really exhausted, but they saw a group of men heading towards the castle with a square box. Dr. Seward and Quincy Morris are behind this group of men. They catch sight of Jonathan and Arthur as well. And so they're all like closing in on Dracula and the box. And the people carrying the box don't really seem to care that they're being pursued. They only seem to go faster as the sun got lower and lower. And it's a group of gypsies, by the way. So they all catch up to the gypsies. Jonathan makes a break for it, like jumps onto the box, opens the lid, and Quincy Morris and him at the same time stab Dracula and Dracula's body turns to ash and the gypsies run away. Morris is wounded during this and is like bleeding out and he is about to die and he says it was worth this to die and as he dies he points to Mina's forehead where the mark had been but it's gone now now that Dracula is gone. So Quincy Morris dies And that's the end of the story. Now, there's a note at the end that says that Mina and Jonathan went on to have a son. He was born on the same day that Quincy Morris died, and they named him Quincy. And Arthur and Dr. Seward are both also now happily married. 
It says that they never did anything with the record that they kept because they didn't think anybody would believe such a story. And Van Helsing says that it's okay because one day Jonathan and Mina's son will know how great of a woman his mom is because of what men were willing to do for her. Not that they'll know she's a good woman because she's a good woman and all the things that she did, but for what men were willing to do for her. Anyway, it's an old book. Okay, there is a deleted ending that was removed from the book in the final chapter, but basically as Dracula dies in this like alternate ending, his castle crumbles as well, and the idea of vampires is removed completely from the earth, but that was deleted from the versions that are published today. Okay, now I'm going to go over themes. So the first theme is femininity kind of like purity and male devotion versus sexuality and freedom. So females are supposed to be pure and chaste and innocent and sweet. And I honestly cannot count the amount of times I rolled my eyes in this novel because of how many like sexist comments there were just about like women being weaker and not having like the wherewithal or the emotional intelligence to handle tough situations but men are supposed to be brave strong protecting decisive and this was especially true in the victorian era in the late 1800s women were held to a very high moral standard and there were really only three options for women and it was to be a pure unmarried virgin a married mother and if she was neither of those then she was a whore And those were like the three classifications of women. The only women in this novel are Lucy and Mina, who are pure, and then the three vampire women, who are obviously whores. The men are obsessed with keeping the women pure. They talk about it all the time. And then when they have been contaminated, they are obsessed with returning women to their pure state, like Lucy and Mina. Lucy's fiancé killing her in the tomb represents this male desire to repress female sexuality. We didn't really talk about this, but all of the men who give Lucy blood transfusions, so her fiancé Arthur, Van Helsing, and Dr. Seward, all three did it. And all three of them talk about it as if it was a sexual experience, which is why they want Arthur to do it in the first place, because it's inappropriate for the other men to do it. But they kind of liken it to an to a sexual experience mina herself feels like she has been contaminated sexually by her contact with dracula and so do the other men especially with like the image of her drinking his blood and the men look at her that way as well and actually jonathan her husband wouldn't sleep with her until dracula was killed and mina was pure again Lucy doesn't really have like an active role in this, like things just kind of happen to her. But Mina is kind of a woman who challenges the ideas of women in the Victorian era. She's super strong and smart and capable. And even though the men try to suppress her in any way they can, and she sometimes lets them, she's still strong and independent and like definitely emotionally capable of handling this situation, maybe even more than some of the men. Okay, the next theme is good versus evil. I don't really think we need to talk about that one. It's pretty clear. Like, vampires are evil. Holy people are pure. I don't know. Like, Van Helsing and his team are good. And Dracula and his vampires are evil. Okay, so the next theme is Christianity. Obviously, throughout the novel, the most powerful weapons against Dracula and other vampires are Christian symbols and tokens, like the crucifix and the wafer. Throughout the novel, the promise of salvation and going to heaven is at the forefront of everything and everyone wants it. And that's what they're all striving for. The men are most concerned with Lucy and Mina's salvation and freeing them from the satanic forces of Dracula before they die, or I guess after they die, getting rid of that so that they can have salvation. Okay, and then the last theme I'm going to talk about is prejudice against the other. So the fact that Dracula comes from a different country can't be ignored in this. He is foreign and he is a threat to these like Western European slash American Christians. And if you remember when Jonathan was at his castle, Dracula wanted to figure out how to speak without an accent so that people wouldn't know he was from somewhere else because he didn't want that extra prejudice against him. And Dracula threatens to contaminate this Western European, their like pure bloodlines with his foreign blood. 
And whether this was intentional or not, Bram Stoker's choice to make Dracula a foreigner exposes this fear of foreigners or the other coming in and taking over the pure Christian worldview and also coming in and taking these pure Christian women away from their men. Okay, that's the end. Oh my gosh, that felt like a century of my life recording that. I don't know why, but that was for sure the hardest one I've ever done. Okay, go follow Brief on Instagram and TikTok and wherever. That's really the only social media I use, so I don't know why I was going to say wherever else, but go follow me there so that you can know when new books come out. And also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, give me a review because it makes my life easier.